I remember one specific call with one VC where we were presenting like the whole company BID, what we have built, etc. And the call ended and the guy said, well, um, do you want the sugar coated version or do you want the rough version? Ouch. And I was like, oh, oh my God. We took the rough version. It was very rough. And sometimes you also need to hear very rough things, right? Um, so that basically caused us to stop the, the previous company. Like the market was pushing back so much mm-hmm. that we said, well, that, let's stop this. So it was very hard, but it was also kind of the uh, a rite of passage almost, right? It made me much, much, much stronger and much more resilient as well. I feel like everyone has to go through this to accept things that they want. Hello there and welcome to Mental Health at Work, the podcast where company leaders reveal the mental health stories that shaped them and their workplaces. Today, our host Maito will be chatting with Jonathan Wadowski, co-founder and CEO of Maze, about the identity crisis that founders face and what it really means to lead by example on mental health in the workplace, for better and for worse. This podcast is brought to you by Oliva, proper mental health care for the whole team. Hello, Mrs. Mai. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Do you want me to call you Mai or Maite through the... Nah, Mai is good. Mai is good? Okay. I I prepared a bit. Uh, I haven't done a ton. So it's... Uh, but maybe that's interesting as well. So it's, Yeah, uh, sure. Absolutely. It. And I need to say that I feel a bit... Um, what's the word? Insecure. It's not insecure. What is the word? T- tell me, in, tell me in, in Spanish. I, 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 I don't know it in Spanish. Um intimidated that's the word i feel intimidated by your radio voice i have to say oh oh okay that's that's good though right like it, it people like to have me on podcast just because i have this uh, deep voice that makes yeah. me sound smarter than i am i am actually very dumb but uh, i had this voice when i was like 16. so oh, i had like great. my long hair and everything and uh and people assumed i was 50 years old on the phone <laughs> they were like is your wife around? I was like, my wife? What do you mean my wife? I'm 16. <laughs> it's good to see you, Mike. Anyways. Good to see you too. And welcome to the Mental Health at Work podcast. Nice, 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 nice. I'm excited. Oh, just to warm up, um, I was thinking, right? Like, oh, what can I ask? Like, CEO, founder of Maze, like, wow. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, that actually must be very stressing. <laughs> like, having to deal with investors and the whole mm-hmm. risk of like, it's your own company, right? So yeah. how do you leave that stress? It's been better, I have to say. So the thing <laughs> is, it's not the first company that I launched. So right. that helps a lot because a lot of the fear, so there's multiple layers of fear that I think people will go through, especially as they, as they build something. Mm-hmm. There's the first layer of fear of what you build is who you are, right? It's a big step to actually build something and sharing it with the world, right? Like the, it, it's the same thing as a, as a baby, right? It's like, this is, this is who I am. And so accepting that people will judge your product and that's something different from you right. already kind of re- removes a lot of the stress. And then there's like um, talking to investors, like all of these things, right? Being public about what you believe, like you have to be opinionated, you have to have opinions, you have to be smart, like mm-hmm. all of these things they can build up stress as well. And so for me, what helped a lot is just failing a lot, right? Like ultimately, uh, the past uh, six years, so 
I've been building Maze for the past three, but I was building other companies the past the three before that. Um, I just took a bunch of notes before I actually started building Maze. And that that helped a lot in navigating the success, I want to say, like the success that we're seeing now. And then the last thing that I would say is um, having a co-founder helps a lot, especially mm. if you find the right person. Like um, building companies is something, but the reality is that it's the people that you build it with that, that will make or break the company that you build. And so for me, like I found, so this is kind of my, uh, my open statement to Thomas now. <laughs> I found Thomas. We need like background music, like romantic. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I find I found him eight years ago, and it was almost obvious that I wanted to build everything with him, just because we complete each other in ways that are a bit hard to explain. But basically, he's everything that I'm not in the sense of uh, uh, I'm all about you know the vision and building great things, and you know very ungrounded. I want to say, and Thomas is the complete opposite. He's very like a Cartesian, down to earth type of person, mm -hmm. and that helps a lot as a dynamic because. I tend to get stressed out by things that are out of the scope of my control. And it tends to kind of bring me back to earth. Mm -hmm. And it tends to get stressed out by very tactical down to earth things. And I, I can, you know, relieve a lot of this stress by just, you know, sharing about the larger vision and the larger uh, things that we see for the company and ourselves. So that, that helped a lot. It's a stressful life, but experience helps a lot navigating the, the stress, I would say. Right. So I hear it's like building resilience. So every time you become stronger and also having someone next to you, it can be your co-founder, it could be whatever, like be surrounded by people that actually help you yeah. going through those, those situations. Exactly. And I have something else to add, I think that, that you just reminded me of something that helped a ton. I think the thing that helped actually the most is finding a mentor in the space. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was always trying to find someone that's one step ahead of me. Uh, so if I'm a seed company, someone in Series A, if I'm a Series A, someone in Series B. That helped a lot because it gives a lot of perspective, right? When I think about the drama that I had when I was a pre-seed stage company, <laughs> that all feels completely, you know, nothing now. Like it feels like it was no, no debate. Like you're, you're struggling about, you know, you lost two customers. How am I going to announce it to? Like it's, it's all noise uh, that people can help you give perspective on. And so for me, I had... A bunch of great friends that were way ahead of me in the journey that helped a lot i i remember sending them the email that i was sending to investors just so they can proofread them and that already helped a lot in, in navigating all of this and now the fun fact is i'm doing the exact same thing for a bunch of founders now i'm doing the advisory investment type of uh, type of thing for all the founders helping them navigate what it means to be a pre-seed seed company raising your first round being a first-time founder and everything that's really cool. Like I always, I, I do more or less the same, but it's like, how am I going to feel about this in one year? And exactly. right now it's going to be like massive, but maybe in one year it's like, oh yeah, that little thing. Exactly. Exactly. So I started something very recently called founderhood. Basically one of the problem of, of being a founder is that it's a very unique life. And I'm not saying like, it's not a flex, right? It's like, it's a very unique life in the sense of a, the problems that you face, you're very much alone in facing them. Like mm. even, even if you have co-founders, et cetera, there's kind of a schizophrenia that's attached to the role of founder because you need to be the one driving. You need to, to be the one giving energy to your team, to the people around you. But ultimately, you're the one facing also all the stress, right? And this situation can be very, very difficult to navigate because what happens when you're down, right? You, you still need to give this energy to your team and, and everything. Um, and so Founderhood is a program that I joined that, that's focusing on just pairing founders together 
that mm -hmm. they can very openly discuss about, you know, uh, the struggles that they face. Uh, again, it's about giving perspective, right? It's about opening up to someone that won't be judgmental, that can understand the struggles, which often people cannot understand, uh, and give some perspective or just giving, you know, an ear to the problems that you're facing that sometimes, it's sometimes 50% of the, of the solution, right? Yeah. So yeah. You were saying that the, the CEO life is very, or the founder life is very, very unique, right? And yeah. you also touch on loneliness as well. Um, yeah. I, I wonder how is your personal life affected by all this? It is, it's less and less, but it was very intense, like uh, um, balancing, you know, friends, family, relationship, like all of these things, it's, it's a lot of compromise, I want to say, like, it's a, basically, you have to plan for it the same way that you plan for your calendar through the week as well, mm -hmm. you have to plan. So it's a lot of ritual, right? Uh, for me, I see my family on Friday night, and then Saturday is for my girlfriend. It's processed, basically, you have to think about like, we, you have to be intentional about it. Otherwise, it's, uh, you can very, very easily get lost, I would say. I'm hearing is like very controlled and you were talking before, like you don't like losing control. So this links very well. It links very well. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's uh, so there's, there's two things that I think are very difficult with being a founder. And one of them is actually that you kind of lose a sense of self very easily because the reality is that when you, you know, when someone asks me, how are you? I reply with, uh, we're doing great, right? Like, uh, mm. It's, it, you always reply as a company because it's the, the way that you're used to reply now. So there's kind of a, a losing a sense of self that you need to be aware of and that you need to kind of fight against also a lot of the time. Because you lose this sense of self, it's very also easy to um, have your personal life be entirely affected by how your company is performing, by you know losing an employee, by all of these things will affect you because you are the company, right? So it's... Yeah. Uh, you have to kind of create this, this distance between you and the company to, to be able to relieve a lot of the stress, which is not easy, right? It's very hard. No, I was thinking must be very tough, like having like a heavy backpack on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's pretty hard. How do you do that? How do you remind yourself that you are not Mace? Yeah, I, um, I do a bunch of things, um, once every month. I will sit down and do kind of a recap of where I am, but mm -hmm. also I have, I have a document in my notes called why am I stressed out? Right. And, and that's just me taking notes on the things that I'm stressed out about, both mm -hmm. personal, professional and everything and trying to attach actions and people to these things so that I can kind of feel the relief of, uh, I'm not, you know, there's actions being taken. So I'm, I'm trying to look at it the same way that I look at the company problems. Basically, mm -hmm. It's a, uh, I am my own entity uh, with my own problems that I'm facing and I can solve them through either people, processes, uh, or if I can solve them, then, you know, it's, uh, I just let them go, right? I can't, I can't hold them together. Forever. Right. Yeah. It's very therapeutic, right? To write yeah. and speak out and just sometimes just the fact of putting it out there, it's helpful. Per it's, se. Oh, it's entirely helpful. So as. CEO, you are like the main leader of the organization, right? And mm -hmm. the rest of the leaders like look up to you, like you're, you're a big part of Maze. 
so let me put some context here. So last mm-hmm. week I interviewed Jessica. She's VP of uh, people at Whereby. And I love I was, Jessica. Yeah. So yeah, 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 she's fantastic. She's great. So I was asking her, like, what advice would you give people from head of people in, in a role like that, mm-hmm. right? And she was saying, in order to make progress in around mental health in the business. She was saying, well, the first thing is assess if you have like leadership and CEOs and founders mm-hmm. that actually really care about mental health, because otherwise you're going to be suggesting things and doing things that yeah. they are not going to be prioritized. So how important is for you mental health in the business? That's a great question. I would So funny enough, we don't really so I think that we use other words for it, right? Like ultimately, we talk now about mental health, like for, for this specific uh, uh, chat. But the reality is for us, we think more about like, what is happiness at Maze, right? How do we make Maze the happiest place to work at? And how mm-hmm. do we ensure that people don't, don't burn out? So the first thing is that Maze we're a fully remote company. And so first, you need to identify what are the points in which people can uh, develop some mental health issues and that where, where are places where... Uh, Loneliness can happen so that to prevent for them, right? So remote has some perks around this, right? The reality is that remote by design is a culture of trust. It's also a culture of, you know, no hours. So you, you're able to kind of deal with your own life as well as dealing with your professional life. So those are the perks. But with the perks also comes cons, right? So for example, a lot of loneliness, like it can feel very lonely very easily. And so a lot of this is around being intentional about, uh, almost processing fun, processing moment of meeting. Uh, and so we do a bunch of things, right? Uh, uh, we do smarter lunches at Maze where people can share currencies with others. Um, we do gaming nights at Maze as well, so that basically we create moments where people can meet so that they, they don't get lonely. And then it's also about creating a culture of oversharing. And I think that leadership here has to basically show the way and show exemplarity so that people replicate. Things as simple as, uh, saying hi in the morning, sharing picture of your food, uh, sharing memes, like all of these things, if the leaders start doing it, people will follow. People will start doing it as well. So you have to kind of overshare. You have to be over-intentional about things. Another thing that we're putting in place now is that the same way that we have a healthcare budget will allow for people to also spend on mental health so that if someone feels like they're experiencing some uh, some personal issues that they want to see tackled, they have the budget to do it. And finally, the last thing is we have unlimited time off, right? So the reality is uh, we had experiences at Maze where um, people were experiencing some form of uh, burnout from personal experience that were happening to them. And just having the ability to just say, I'm not feeling well, I, I need to you know, uh, rest and reset for a couple of weeks without being judged or without feeling like you're asking for something that will have an impact on your future holiday right. is already, I think, a big step as well in this direction. Hmm. How much holidays did you take in the last year? I, ouch. Is, uh, <laughs> not Talking a, not about a leading by example. I know, I know. I, 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 was, I was seeing this one coming. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, been, it's been one of the big problems. I'm also kind of insistent and actually go and outreach to people saying, you need to take time off, but I need to take more. Like the reality is I know that uh, I took maybe two weeks off in the past year, which is probably also... One of the worst things that I could have done. Uh, actually, I'm coming back from four days off now, so it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm getting better. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the worst case of uh, personal issue on the mental health side were related to me not taking time off last year, right? Like, uh, I think I didn't really 
assess what lockdown plus fundraising, like all of this mixed together would do to, to me personally, and how that would reflect also to the people I work with. Last year, when we started going into lockdown, we started a conversation about fundraising because we, we didn't need the money, but at the time, you know, the world was such in shambles that we were like, we don't know what the next year will look like. We don't know what fundraising will look like in 12 months from now. So maybe let's start the process now. Um, and that, that's been probably the worst mistake that I've made in the past 12 months. Um, the fundraising process is a very uh, mentally intense process where basically you have to be 100% performance. You have to jump on calls with uh, board meetings and talk to 20 people at the same time that you yeah. ask you. Like, and so for the root part of three weeks, my life, including weekends, was just this, right? And the reflection of this was I was extremely stressed by the process, which kind of, um, I kind of let, let, also uh to my management team right like uh, everyone was feeling stressed because i was feeling so stressed about working on the weekend and the same way that exemplarity in a good way can can show the, the right path to happiness the the same happened right i saw people starting working on weekend the same way i was working on weekend right right so it was it was the, the worst case of leading by example but in the in the wrong <laughs> direction, right so uh, so lesson learned i need to take time off i also need to avoid doing fundraising during lockdown, <laughs> you know, it's very specific, uh, but yeah, that, that was my experience last year. Yeah, it's it's interesting, like how if leading by example is very important, being the CEO or the founder is yeah. like X10, right? It's like everyone, exactly. if you join the company, you look up to the CEO and the founder, and that must be difficult because you wear a lot of hats, you have a lot of responsibilities, yeah. but at the same time, one of them is leading by example. Exactly. You're, you're the culture, ultimately. So how do you express to the company that you actually care about people's health? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's a good question because I, I don't think I'm very intentional about it in the sense of, I don't think I, I you know, literally tell people I care about your health. Um, I think it's, it's more about you know, things like not wanting people to do extra time ever, for example. We had people, like, one of the things about having a culture that's very open with great people, one of the, the downsides is that people will kind of always go the extra mile, right? You mm -hmm. have to, to kind of refrain them from, like, it's okay to not go the extra mile. It's okay not to work on weekends. Like, you don't have to work on weekends. Um, so with this, we're very, we're very, very intentional. Um, but it's a good question because I don't, I don't think we're extremely intentional on on the health side, I would say, mm -hmm. even though even though we, I believe we are uh, in the sense of I don't think people are unhealthy. I think that we're not extremely intentional, and we, we could be better at, on this front. How do you imagine being better at that? I think probably it's about having processes in place for people to flag when things are not going well on one end. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's also showing that it's okay to discuss these things. Um, we were also very small for the longest time, right? So I think one of the reasons that we haven't processed yet is, is just because we haven't really, uh, we're just scaling now, right? So we're we are now seeing the, the limit of this. But I think those are the two things that I would put in place, basically. Right. It's funny uh, because you are mentioning like the hyper growth. And in my experience, whenever I saw hyper growth, there was yeah. uh, all, also like more cases of people in long sick leave because of mental hmm. struggles, yeah. right? And sometimes it's up until you get there, 
you don't see the problem yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because hyper growth brings a lot of challenges, right? So how have you seen this working out, basically? You, you've been to multiple hyper growth companies. How have you helped them go? Well, this, I've, uh... be, I, I've seen dealing the situation very badly, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it. But um, mm -hmm. for example, in companies where I work or collaborate now, it's more like bringing, for example, groups that share the same struggles. Like you were saying, like mm -hmm. you feel comfortable talking with other CEOs, for example, right? Mm -hmm. And sharing the same experiences and not feeling alone. Well, yeah. maybe in, in during COVID is creating groups of parents that are working with their mm. kids running around and sharing mm. like, oh, do you feel like you want to, you love your kid, but you want to kill it sometimes, you know? And just the feeling of not being alone yeah. can be very healthy Makes and sense. from from things like that to i don't know like meditation groups but i do believe that something that you can do that has the biggest impact is you sharing your own struggles as a ceo because mm -hmm. if the ceo is saying wow i'm i'm having difficulties with my private life or yeah. i had a i don't know like i had a difficult conversation with my girlfriend because Mm -hmm. I am working too much. Then it's like you give permission mm -hmm. to other people to speak about the same things, right? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think I'm 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 doing this on one one. Like uh, I think mm -hmm. that with everyone, I'm connecting on a more personal level. But yeah, uh, it's the same thing as processing it. Basically, it's having the right place for people to share uh, and and for it to be okay. Uh, yeah, and for it to be action as well. I think. Yeah, but it's like you say, you don't need to like explicitly say like, I care about mental health, but it's actually, I don't know, like yeah. you were saying you support initiatives, giving emotional support and these kind of things, they embody how you care about mental health. I'm wondering, Do you snap at things when, like, do you sometimes feel like you snap a bit more because it is your own company? I think I have a ton of patience, to be honest. To lead, you have to have a ton of yeah. patience and a ton of diplomacy. And that comes with experience as well. I think I had a tendency to snap much, much, much more uh, when I was younger as well. Mm -hmm. um, that I now... It's all, it, I, I know I say the word perspective maybe 20 times during this, this <laughs> chat already, but the reality is that you have more perspective as well. Like, it's a bit like a relationship as well, with, but it's with your team, right? It's mm -hmm. uh, trying to see every problem as uh, we work together against the problem, right? Uh, how can we solve this now rather than just snapping at people? Right. Uh, and, and if the relationship doesn't work anymore, that's another problem. But for the longest time, it's more about solving things. So I don't mm -hmm. snap anymore. I <laughs> So before, like in your previous experiences, um, mm -hmm. then you learn a lot and you were having like more difficult times and maybe oh, yeah. you were not so resilient. So what was like your worst moment, let's say, and what triggered oh. it? Wow. Uh, I'm digging in now. Yeah, no, that's good. That's <laughs> good. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about the worst moments. Um, in the previous startup that we launched, We tried to raise for months, literally months. We saw a ton of different VCs and it, it never went to a yes, right? And, right. and so, you know, you, you need to say it's not me, right? Like it's not, I'm not the problem, like this not idea. Not feeling is the rejected. Problem. Exactly, exactly. 
And I see this struggle a ton in founders, like especially in, in first time founders. 50% of the time that I do advisory now, it's just telling people, it's okay, we'll move on. There's like a million VCs, don't, don't worry about this, right? Um, but it helps a lot because there's not a lot of point in time where you, you hear that many no's and you have to move through, right? Like uh, apart from the hiring process, when you're on the market and you have to hear no and accept that, it's yeah. kind of the same thing. Um, it was very, very difficult. I remember one specific call with one VC where we were presenting like the whole company, the idea, what we have built, etc. And the call ended and the guy said, well, um, do you want the sugar coated version or do you want the rough version? Ouch. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Uh, we took the rough version. It was very rough. And sometimes you also need to hear very rough things, right? Um, so that basically caused us to stop the, the previous company. Like the market was pushing back so much mm -hmm. that we said, well, that let's stop this. So it was very hard, but it was also kind of the uh, a rite of passage almost, right? It made me much, much, much stronger and much more resilient as well. I feel like everyone has to go through this to accept things as they want. I guess this translates very well to feedback in general, right? Like some people yeah. struggle receiving feedback because they believe that what they do is part of who they are. And when exactly. they receive harsh feedback or some criticism is like you're criticizing who I am, mm. not what I yes. do. Exactly. And it goes hand in hand with the, with the loss of personality that comes with building something. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you, it's we, it's, uh, so it's very hard to create this distance between you and, and what you're building. How do you build this, like this that you're talking about, this resilience about you not being what you do, so you can be open to feedback, for example? So it's one thing to say that you're no ego and that you want to let everyone within the conversation and that you're happy to get feedback. You also have to process it, right? Yeah. Like the reality for us, we do what we call amazingness review, which which we do we do this twice every quarter, in which we talk about like what is not working for you. And we built a template for also all of our managers to do this with their team, that they create a place and a time where people can give feedback, can be heard, there can be action items that are being set up so that things can improve over time, right? Mm -hmm. So you create these instances of feedback collection. Um, and then it's about being true to what you say as well, right? Like everyone says they are low ego and they want to let people in the conversation. For us, I think it's true, right? And it's also, it starts with the hiring. The number one thing that we check for is what we call vulnerability, which is just your ability to showcase that you failed and that you learned from this failure and that uh, you improved through this failure and how you change things, right? So this is one, this is a critical part of hiring. This is something that we can teach. How do you assess vulnerability in an interview? So my interview style is very, um, I'm, I'm the cultural fit uh, <laughs> side of the interview. So my interview style is very, very um, relaxed and open. Basically, it's uh, just a conversation about life in general and your journey. And so it's very easy to kind of spot when people tell their journey, you'll see a lot of people you know, the one that put all of the emphasis on the success and the failure on the others, on mm -hmm. others, and the one that will just own the failure and the success or share the success and own the failure. And that's a big part of the vulnerability, tracking yeah. for these key moments. So as a leader, you have direct reports and mm -hmm. you know how many times you have someone saying like, oh yeah, I have fever, I can't work, I have a headache and I can't work. And it's like relatively easy to navigate those conversations like, oh, okay, take care, whatever. Mm -hmm. How do you approach someone that comes like, 
I'm burned out. I need to take some time off or stressed or feeling anxiety or depression. I don't know if yeah. you ever had that case. And we had one. And that person had to take a, a pretty extensive period of time off. Uh, and that was fine, right? Like the, this person was very open about the situation. Like they, so what's good is that already they felt like they could, you know, open themselves to actually express what they were feeling and why they were feeling this way. Um, and they had to take, you know, almost a month off from this. And that was entirely like, we had the conversation and I mean, internally, the, the philosophy is more like uh, we'd rather have 100% you than 10% uh, you struggling with life. Right. Uh, so find the time that you need to be able to go back and shape and we'll, we'll be in touch with you. basically. And that helped a lot. Did you have the conversation with, with them or another leader? No, I, I did, actually. You did? They, they reached out to me directly. Oh, fun, fun fact about this, because you mentioned something earlier that I completely forgot about because of this specific experience. I actually discussed with the broader team that I had some anxiety issue and, you know, uh, uh, waking up at 4 a.m., et cetera. And that helped a lot in actually this person reaching out to me because he oh. had the same experience, right? So it was like, I know what you're feeling. Please take time off. It's, it, it's entirely fine. That's cool. Like you created a safe environment for them to express themselves and say like, yeah, actually, I, I didn't do it purposefully. So I right. take half the credit for it, but yeah, it's, which uh, is actually, I think the best, right? It's like, yeah. I, I'm, it's not, I'm going to tell so, but more like generally you're sharing. So it's, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. cool. How, how do you make sure that every single leader at MACE is equipped to handle those conversations in the same way you did? Ah, good question. I think that I kind of, because I hired them and because I know their personality, I kind of expect them to behave the same way. Mm -hmm. I think a, a bigger question would be, how do you ensure that this will scale with you as well? Like yeah. right now, I was the one that I was actually uh, doing most of the hire for the longest time. So that was fine, right? I was making sure that I was just hiring mini version of me and that, <laughs> that was the culture, right? So we, we just recently, the same way that uh, we hired our, our head of people and my trust in her is that she is me. She's a, even a, probably a better version of me for this type, type of topic and that she'll educate people on, on, on this type of problem as well. Another thing that we're doing now is we are hiring for a happiness role at Maze. So how, someone that will both be um, processing the fun at Maze, so the game nights and everything, mm -hmm. but also making sure that people are remaining happy in the organization. So I right. think that because this person won't be able to do this for everyone, they will have to kind of... Uh, equip the whole management team to be able to see flags as the right, as the right questions. So making everyone kind of a micro therapist almost. Right. Well, that is another way of like communicating how you actually care about mental health. Like you're yeah. actually investing time and putting like energy in hiring someone that can True. dedicate to this. So what companies do you look up to in terms of company culture? Um, we really like uh, Figma's culture for multiple reasons. I've been to their office multiple times as well, which, which helped a lot kind of see it in action. And they have this kind of uh, very open culture, uh, very your hours don't matter type of culture. And then ultimately a culture of growth, right? Like uh, they have all these internal events that people don't even see, uh, where people have a place to learn, have a place to grow as a person, because it's not just about also growing into your skill, it's also about growing as a person. Generally. Yeah. And that has to be processed. So Figma does a great job at this. I think 
from a fully remote company, Buffer has an incredible culture as well, like a very transparent culture um, that applies to everything, right? Salary, compensation, like all yeah. of this is incredible. You know, we, we are very um, blessed almost, like from what the state of the world was 20 years ago, right? Like uh, when I look at, at my parents and the way they were, that was not a possibility uh, 30 years ago to work in such remote, unique, transparent places. And when I see people working outside of the tech world, you see the reality of things have not changed that much for the rest yeah. of the world. Yeah, I guess tech companies are like almost like a bubble of happiness at work and bringing your whole self to work. And yeah, it's it's a lab almost, right? Like Absolutely. it's uh, we are the lab for the rest of the world. And I think what's super funny about this whole thing is that I think most of it starts from a purely capitalistic point of view, almost, right? Where it's like you maximize efficiency because people are happy. You maximize loyalty because people are happy, right? Yeah. And all of these things, even though like the result is great, it, it emanates from a place of uh, just, it makes sense, right? It yeah. makes financial sense. And for example, in France, we have this very, very strong culture of um, what we call uh, presentism, which is just, you have to be present uh, in mm -hmm. the office. And so it's like uh, this very weird culture of uh, people stay at their desk until 8 p.m. and then go home. People fear about leaving at, at 6 p.m. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like building the trust so you don't need to stay in exactly. the office and warm your seat if oh you're not God. being productive. So just to wrap up, what is your biggest fear now? Like if you were to ask me, so we're in a very different situation now than we were even five months ago, right? there's a shift that needs to happen in your life, which is, you know, before, before we did the recent fundraising and, you know, that gives us a lot of security for a long time, mm -hmm. um, you're in survival mode. And so your biggest fear is about what happens next year, right? What I have all these people that are accountable for the success of the company and I'm the, the one that's driving the success of failure. Now that we're kind of moving away from this survival mode and we have a, a lot more runway and we are a company, we're not, we're, we're building a company. We're no longer building just a product or it shifts entirely the, the way that you see things entirely. Let me put it differently. What is your biggest fear <laughs> as Joe, not as a CEO? Hmm. I think the biggest fear is probably tied to the problem that I raised a bit earlier, which is the loss of personality, right? Like uh, as an individual, I lose a lot of what makes me me just because I'm so, so tied to my work and my job and that it represents 80% of my living, raising time. Mm. When I'm going to therapy, this is the first topic that I'm going to discuss anyways. So here you are. Nice. Looking forward to hear how it goes. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. I know you have another call until very late tonight. So thank you so much for your time. It was really nice talking. Thanks a lot, Mike. Really enjoyed it as well. Best luck uh, with, with everything and therapy. Thank you. Mental Health at Work is hosted by Maite Otero, produced by myself, Simon Dumont, and brought to you by Oliva, proper mental health care for the whole team. Massive thanks to Jonathan and his amazing radio voice. If you need to test your product rapidly and remotely, give Maze a try. You won't regret it. Next week, we have Marie Zutz, VP of People at Figma. It's going to be a good one. See you then. <laughs>